Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of Vacation Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. That's right. I'm still on vacation, and I'm still here in this hammock a little ways away from the ocean, but I enlisted some help. Anthony Marino, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, you know him, you love him. He's here to assist me. We are going to do your almighty takes together for this Friday edition of the Bruce Exclusive, and we're going to talk about the Los Angeles Rams. I am still not used to calling them that, even though for the majority of my life, they were the Los Angeles Rams, but I got in the habit of calling them the St. Louis Rams, and I'll never, ever get used to not being the San Diego Chargers. Anthony, thank you so much for being here. Please tell me that you struggle with the the movement of the, the Raiders being in Vegas now and the Rams being in Los Angeles and the Chargers being in L.A. Am I the only one, or are you with me? Bruce, just yesterday I recorded an episode of Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. I made it through the entire thing, and then right at the end I said the St. Louis Rams. And I obviously I caught myself, I laughed about it, but it's just one of those things. So the San Diego Chargers, the Oakland Raiders, heck, even the Baltimore Colts, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna <laughs> to slip up every once in a while, so it happens to the best of us. I think we are dating ourselves a little bit, Anthony. Just a bit. Just a little bit. Before too long, we're going to call the St. Louis Cardinals. Anyway, um, this is what we're going to do. We're going to read through some almighty takes, and Anthony has graciously agreed. I have screenshotted all your almighty takes that you have sent me. Reminder, you got to get me those things in by Wednesday afternoon-ish of every week. You can either hit me on Twitter with a hashtag almighty take. You can send me a DM with your almighty take, or you can hit me an Instagram DM, or you can send me an email. I am Bruce Almighty at yahoo.com. You can send me those things. It's going to be your predictions about the game that are not score related. I will react to them on Friday. I will put them in one of the probability buckets that we have outlined, and then we will have a discussion about what we think strategically the Bills should do to take on, in this case, the Rams, but in next week's case and the week after, it would be their next week's opponent. Anthony, without further ado, hit me with the first almighty take. Bruce, I feel like I'm Mitch Morris to your Josh Allen, right? I need to keep the pocket clean for you, give you time to operate, do all the dirty work. So we're going to jump right in, and you've got a bunch of almighty takes today. The first comes from at Patton on Twitter. At Bruce, similar to 2019, the Miami game has exposed Bill's weaknesses and the Rams exploit it. Josh Allen has a regression towards the mean, passing for about 250 yards, and Bills lose a close game. Hashtag almighty take. I would put this in the somewhat probable calculation. I think that having Josh Allen throw for 417 yards with four touchdowns and zero interceptions every week probably 
not sustainable. I mean, that would only be the greatest season in the history of mankind. So we're going to go ahead and assume that that's probably a reasonable peak. That doesn't mean that he's not going to hit that peak again. It just means expecting him to maintain that is absurd. So having him come back to earth with a 250-yard game, I don't think is absurd by any means. I have said on yesterday's pod that I am very, very concerned about Levi Wallace in man coverage against a play-action heavy attack where the receivers are designed to run away from man coverage. That is how the Los Angeles Rams get their people open, and they get them open on crossing routes, longer developing routes, and then they allow the longer pocket time to happen through usage of that outside zone play action that they like to run. So I don't think it's absurd by any means to have this be the case. I would like to think that we'd be able to eke out a close game. However, I would put this in the somewhat probable bucket. Now, do you talk about that and you say where they would expose, the Rams would expose the Bills. Does the outlook that maybe Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds will be back on Sunday, both of them limited in practice uh, on Wednesday when we're recording this, is that something that gives you any sense of optimism? Yes, I think it specifically gives me optimism against Tyler Higby, who has been playing really well for the Rams. Their tight ends, I don't really want to see against A.J. Klein. One of the changes that Sean McVay made last season is he started to go to a lot more 12 personnel. And because of that, Higby got a lot more snaps and he started to kind of emerge toward the back half of 2019. People were wondering, specifically fantasy footballers, were wondering if that was going to continue in 2020. It has. And it's, ha- it's helped pretty well that 12 personnel tight end look with meshing with the outside zone and play action concepts that the Rams like to run. So it gives me optimism against Higby, but it doesn't do a lot for me with the Levi Wallace on Robert Woods or Levi Wallace on Cooper Cup. That part of it is still concerning to me. All right, Bruce, your next almighty take comes to you from Patch. And he says, my almighty take is that C. Ford will be playing both guard positions throughout the game, side dependent on how they want to attack Aaron Donald. This will be Ford's breakout game. I don't know if when you have a young player like Cody Ford, if you want to say, you know what, Aaron Donald is such a good matchup for you that we are going to align you up specifically to attack Aaron Donald. I have been pleased with the progression I have seen from Cody Ford. The last thing I would want him to do is flip-flop around and get his feet herky-jerky and get that muscle memory out of him against the greatest defensive football player on the planet. That is not something I'm interested in seeing, though I will say this lends itself to your point from yesterday's podcast about whether or not they're moving around offensive linemen in preparation for potentially getting Feliciano back. I think if we see that this week, it won't be because we're trying to match Cody Ford up against Aaron Donald, but instead it'll be more toward the conspiracy theory that we're trying to mix and match to see if potentially there's room for both Ford and Feliciano on the offensive line at the same time. I made the point yesterday that I thought it was due to the heat. I think that whether or not we make motions on the offensive line as far as rotations go, this week will kind of prove whether or not I was right or I was wrong. I do not think. I'm going to put this in the highly improbable bucket because I don't think that they're willing to have the game plan. Brian Dable, of course, hilariously said, maybe we'll get lucky and he'll miss the bus regarding Aaron Donald. I don't think the game plan would be, let's move Cody Ford 
to wherever Aaron Donald is because I don't think that Cody Ford in his development right now is at the spot where you would expose him to that for the sake of getting a young, talented player on Aaron Donald. Bruce, I'm just happy to hear you say herky-jerky on the pod today. So as we jump into the next almighty take, it comes from Hiking Harvey, and he writes, Josh Allen will have a highlight reel-worthy escape from Aaron Donald. National media starts to take notice. I think this is somewhat probable because I think Aaron Donald might get a lot of cracks at Josh <laughs> Allen because he always gets a lot of cracks at, at the quarterback. And so I will say that if there's one quarterback in the league that I trust to be able to strength pull his way out of Aaron Donald's grasp, it's Josh Allen. You know, elusiveness comes in different forms. And I think that that's one of the interesting things when it comes to evaluating Josh Allen is, although he is a good athlete, he is a very good athlete for his size, I think that Josh Allen's play strength is something that adds to elusiveness. I think that when we use the phrase elusiveness, what we're talking about is the ability of people to not hit you. We look at elusiveness as being a flag football trait, being able to keep away from someone grabbing your flag. But that's actually not what the word elusiveness means. Elusiveness for the sake of a ball carrier just means not getting tackled. And so elusiveness can come in a lot of different forms. I think when we look at people like Motor Singletary, Motor Singletary is great at just being just slippery enough to be able to avoid taking a fully-fledged, squared-up tackle attempt, which has a much higher probability of being completed. And that's the way Josh Allen is. He's strong, he's got a wide base, and he's slippery. And because of that, he's someone who I can imagine getting out of a grasp of Aaron Donald. So I'm going to put this as somewhat probable because I think the opportunity will be there. And I'm a believer in Josh Allen being able to escape maybe once or twice. Bruce, this next one might be my favorite of the episode. It comes from Andy Anderson, and he says, after calling the shootout, I may be letting this go to my head, but my almighty take parlay for this week is we see touchdowns from the offense, defense, and special teams. Andre is overdue. MVP Josh Talk starts after the Rams game as well. This take reminds me, every time I hear someone say, we're due for it or something like that, it reminds me of an absolutely hilarious family guy moment where a volcano insurance salesman comes to the door. And when Peter approaches him and says, well, I mean, it's Quahog, Rhode Island. We don't have volcanoes. He says, don't you think we're about due for one? And it's a great line. And I think it kind of applies to this scenario because Andre Roberts is a talented guy. You know very well that I have pounded the table for keeping Andre Roberts on this 53-man roster. I think I got my tea-sipping karma moment week one. And I, I think that any take that is predicated on something that is so unlikely, I have to put it somewhat probable. I have to. Because special teams touchdowns and defensive touchdowns are extremely unlikely in and of themselves. Teams average somewhere between one and two defensive touchdowns per year. So that's already very like unlikely. But now on top of that, you parlayed the parlay into a secondary parlay. We're getting like inception parlays from Mr. Anderson now. I think, you know, Agent Smith is going to show up for Mr. Anderson at his job and ask him, you know, what his scenario is because of all the inceptioning that he's doing. And I made it a Matrix and an Inception crossover reference, and I understand that I'm breaking the fourth wall and all that stuff. But I think I have to put this in somewhat improbable. I have to. Because you said they're going to score a defensive touchdown and a special teams touchdown, which is highly improbable. The fact that I didn't put this in the highly improbable bucket by its, you know what? No, I'm doing it. I'm going all in, Anthony. I'm putting it in the highly improbable bucket. 
just because the math says I'm supposed to. As much as I admire Andy for calling a shootout last week, I just can't get there. I'm going highly improbable. All right, the next one comes to you from David Summers. His almighty take, looking at a compilation of Allen's deep passes in week two, he clearly is comfortable with throwing to covered receivers and having them win the contested catch. He even did that a bit more than I'm comfortable with. Yeah, the throw to Stephon Diggs where he just took it out of the hands of a defender with a defender hanging on his back is an example of either impressive chemistry or a boneheaded decision, depending on how you feel about Josh Allen. I think if you came into that game thinking that Josh Allen threw too many, let's say, let's use an analytics term, how about interceptable balls or turnover-worthy throws? If you came into that game with that as your foundational piece, then you're going to look at that throw through the lens of Josh Allen being reckless. If you don't come into that with that lens, then you might say, well, he trusts Stephon Diggs to make a play, or he put it in only the place where Stephon Diggs can make the catch. I think that really what it boils down to is that Josh Allen has faith in his playmakers. And he said going into this game and going into this year that his job is to facilitate the offense. And when you have players who he believes in as strongly, he has mentioned multiple times about his affection for John Brown. And when you have that, plus the fact that he seems to be feeding Stefan Diggs and they seem to be getting on the same page, it's pretty clear to me that Josh Allen believes if you have a step, you're going to make this play. And that's something we've seen from other quarterbacks. Other quarterbacks in history have been willing to trust their receivers for good or for bad. And now we're starting to see when you surround Josh Allen with talented players and you, as we've talked about many times, isolate the variable, the qualitative aspects of Josh Allen start to expose themselves. Not just the, is he good or is he not, but what type of player is he going to be? And that kind of reveals itself. Kind of like, you know, they mentioned Cole turning into diamonds when you put pressure on it and how pressure reveals character and things like that. Well, I think that, Isolating the variable reveals qualitatively what type of quarterback a player is going to be. And in this case, Josh Allen is pretty comfortable making those throws. And so I think it's highly probable he continues to make those kind of throws. All right, Bruce, next one for you comes from David Bloom. He says, my almighty take for Bruce exclusive is the defense rebounds and holds L.A. to less than 300 yards and less than 20 points. Less than 300 yards is really, really hard. Less than 300 yards is really hard, especially against a, an offense that is as good as the Rams' offense is. I'm going to go highly improbable because I think that there's a chance the defense could rebound and still not achieve those particular benchmarks. Because I am concerned about Levi Wallace, as previously discussed, against a heavy play-action attack where there's going to be long-developing man routes and his ability to be able to keep up with people running away from him in coverage. I do think that there's a chance that there's a regression to the mean as far as the the Bills defense getting burned. I think a progression to the mean perhaps is a better term. And I do think there's a chance they're not going to get as burned as bad against the Rams as they did with Ryan Fitzpatrick putting over 300 yards on them. However, that's a very, very significant game. I mean, that's a, that's a lockdown game. If you have a, 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 an offense who scores under 20 points and gains under – 300 total yards, that's really a significant step forward. And I don't see it. I'm going to put highly improbable on this one. All right, Bruce, the next one for you comes from Yassine Ganey. 
Here's what he's got for you. My almighty take for this upcoming weekend against the Rams. Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs going to hook up a ton on the highest paid corner next Sunday. And Josh Allen is going to make Jalen Ramsey eat his words for calling him trash. I think Josh Allen may have already made Jalen Ramsey eat his words. I think when Josh Allen was running for a touchdown against the Jacksonville Jaguars and Jalen Ramsey wanted absolutely nothing to do with him, I think that narrative kind of got put to bed at that point. And so now Jalen Ramsey being who Jalen Ramsey is, if Josh Allen comes out and has a bad game, I'm sure he'll be talking a ton of crap because that's what Jalen Ramsey does. However, I don't think that you can ask Jalen Ramsey to ever stop talking. You know, there's certain athletes where you kind of hope that eventually they'll be humbled and they'll stop doing that. I don't think Jalen Ramsey is one of those players. I just don't think it's in his DNA for him to stop doing that. When the reporters after the Jacksonville Jaguars game asked him if he had anything to take back, he was like, no, well, you know, he played well enough for them to win. He was, he was a good runner. I mean, he still wasn't willing to just take the L. I think right. Jalen Ramsey needs to listen to the Bruce exclusive, Anthony. He needs to listen to my podcast about how to take the L and how it's important for personal growth. Maybe I should send him one. I think I should link him a copy of the podcast and maybe he'll listen to it. And maybe he'll just get some personal development that is important for all of us. But I don't think Josh Allen straying away from Jalen Ramsey's coverage is going to happen. We've already talked about on the last Almighty Take that Josh Allen is willing to, if he sees a step, he's going to give you a chance. And Stephon Diggs is the kind of player where his ability to contest and catches means you should give him a chance. It's not like you have a player who's bad at contested catches, and so unless he has two yards of separation, you shouldn't throw the ball. Stephon Diggs has proven his worth in those situations already in his time in Buffalo. In addition, he has multiple years of tape in Minnesota where he's good in those situations. So if you combine that with the place where we're at from the previous Almighty take, which is Josh Allen's going to pull the trigger on those throws, I agree with this take. I think it's highly probable. Bruce, I like this one. It comes from Big Bass, and he actually sent this Sunday morning even before the Bills game against the Miami Dolphins. He says, jumping the gun a bit, but my almighty take for Rams at Bills, before I forget, is Aaron Donald will have less than five total pressures on Allen. I know it might be crazy to say this, but I'm going to say, yeah. I'm going to say this is somewhat probable. And the reason I'm going to say this is somewhat probable is because I do think that we might see some – mirror imaging from the Buffalo Bills. There's a chance we might see a lot of longer developing, getting Josh Allen on the edge against the Los Angeles Rams to get him away and help neutralize the effect that Aaron Donald has. Because Aaron Donald has to commit to the front side play action. He has to, because he's their number one penetrator. And if he doesn't, there's going to be significant gaps that sometimes can open themselves up underneath your play. If you're a three tech, if you burst up field and you commit yourself to the backside of a play, you know, if you're committed to the quarterback on a, on a front side, maybe stretch play, you opened up a big hole, you know, Aaron, Aaron Donald has to stay committed to that. And so if we see some kind of a mirror image where we fight fire with fire and we potentially see some under center plays where we have long developing, you know, backside naked boots from Josh Allen, then there's a chance that Aaron Donald can be minimized just based on scheming away from him. Not so much finding a player who can handle him one-on-one, but instead Brian Dable's known for being someone who changes up the scheme a little bit week to week. And maybe we see a lot of that to attempt to accommodate for the fact that unfortunately Aaron Donald may have not missed the bus. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say somewhat probable on this one. 
All right, Bruce, this next one comes to you from Pete. He says, because so many people have mischaracterized Josh Allen's previous NFL seasons, the majority of NFL fans will not be able to understand his development as a quarterback. To many, weeks one and two of the 2020 season probably seem like an aberration or a jump in play from seemingly out of nowhere. Realistically, the first two games of these seasons, of this season, while representing a significant improvement in Josh Allen's play, are indicative of a decent young quarterback figuring it out, not a backup caliber player suddenly erupting for a couple of big games. The 2020 season represents a big step forward in Josh's passing and decision-making, no doubt, but it's important to understand that his is surprising growth, not necessarily shocking growth. I love this take. I really do. I love this take quite a bit. And I actually echoed very similar sentiments when I was on with the SB Nation NFL pod on Monday Football Monday. You can find that in the feed that you're currently listening to this particular podcast. They dropped it there. And in that Michael Kiss, who does work for Bleeding Green Nation, which is the SB Nation Philadelphia Eagles side of things, asked me, hey, you know, is this a big jump? from Josh Allen, or is this just kind of what we all expected? And I said, you know, I think this growth is actually a little bit more gradual than perhaps it might appear. Because Bills fans who were paying attention didn't think Josh Allen was all that bad last year. We saw a trajectory on Josh Allen. And I made a comment this offseason that the difference between national media and casual NFL fans and people who don't follow the Bills and their view of Josh Allen and the reason why Bills fans are excited about Josh Allen is that Josh Allen, we were excited about the trajectory, not the data point. And so trajectories are lines. Data points are just dots. But if you only see one dot, you just see it out of context. And that's what people were looking at. They were looking at a single game from Josh Allen, and they were seeing it out of context. Whereas the rest of us who had gone back and watched him at Wyoming, and we watched him as a rookie, and then we watched him in 2019, we saw a trajectory, and the trajectory was what made us optimistic, not the data point. It wasn't that we thought Josh Allen had arrived, is that we thought if he remained on trajectory, he was going to arrive. And then when he has these two games, we're excited, we're happy, but this doesn't appear to us like it's coming out of nowhere. This appears to us like the next step that we were hoping was going to happen. And we acknowledge that there's probably going to be statistical regression and he's not going to throw for 417 yards and four touchdowns every week. We understand that. But for us, this is a natural progression where other people might see the same progression from a rookie to a second year quarterback or from a college junior to a college senior or from a college senior to a rookie in the NFL. They might see the progression there. We're seeing it later and we expected to see it later and we were hopeful to see it later because we understood the arc of Josh Allen and why that arc was different than other quarterbacks' arcs. Everyone assumes that the same timeline applies for every quarterback, and it's just not true. You have to understand where Josh Allen came from. He didn't get elite-level coaching. He wasn't getting elite 7-on-7. He wasn't going to elite 11-on-11s and going to the quarterback coaches and having private tutors since he was in eighth grade. This is not what Josh Allen was. When you drafted Josh Allen, you drafted someone you knew was a project quarterback. And people use that as a, a way to knock on people. Hate to break it to you folks. This is what developing a project quarterback looks like. This is how it's supposed to be done. The Bills now could write a thesis on how to develop someone who is a project quarterback. Surround him with consistent pieces. Your coach, 
your offensive coordinator. Make sure they're good teachers. Make sure you emphasize the thing he does well. Make sure you build around him. Make sure that you're patient with him. Make sure you don't bash him in the media. Make sure you don't destroy his growth. Make sure you take advantage of him on a rookie contract to be able to give him an offensive line and get weapons. This is how you handle project quarterbacks. It's just that all these people we talk about being project quarterbacks, they weren't actually that. They were just busts. So when we say project quarterback, we should look at Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold. These people are thousands of reps ahead of Josh Allen. And so we see a progression year three, and people are like, wow, man, progression year three is really improbable. And progression year three is improbable. But Josh Allen is an improbable quarterback. I think that this is a highly probable take. In fact, I think it's just a fact. Damn, I'm going to let you catch your breath for a second. That was fantastic. All right, Bruce, we got two more that we're going to get to for you right here. The first one comes to you from Ian. Hey, Bruce, huge fan of the show. I've been listening since the Bills backers pod. My almighty take is Sean McVay is going to scheme the Rams offense this week to target and exploit Levi Wallace, spelling havoc for the defense. Also, last year you talked about the potential sighting of Mega Josh. I think last week was the first sighting of Mega Josh. And I also think we'll see him again this week. Thanks for reading my take and keep up the incredible work you do. First off, thank you so much uh, for listening since the, since the bills back. So what he's saying is he was one of the original 20 people <laughs> who listened to my pod back in the day. But I appreciate you, you being here this long and seeing the journey that I've been on uh, and Buffalo rumblings has been uh, an amazing part of this journey. We are so excited about all the stuff we've got going on in the network, and I'm excited just to be part of it. So thank you so much for being part of this journey with me. You know I'm going to say highly probable because I've already mentioned this. I've mentioned it multiple times this episode. I mentioned it multiple times last episode. I think it's highly probable that Sean McVay runs stuff that will help to isolate man coverage, specifically against Levi Wallace. And I think that you might have to go zone to really try to tackle the fact that long crossing routes are historically better at being man beaters. And so getting better zone coverage defenders like Milano and like Edmonds back and being able to maybe potentially scheme up some disguises would be helpful to, you know, maybe, maybe we use Jordan Poyer as a robber instead of as an eighth man in the box. You know, maybe there's ways that we can go about combating those mesh concepts that the Rams love to run. And one of the ways you can do that is by having safeties come down and cut off the crossers. And so if you have Micah Hyde being able to cover single high and be able to protect Tredavious White and Levi Wallace from deep shots on the outside, maybe you can have Jordan Poyer come down and crash down and cut off the crossers, as has been known to happen in a lot of double to rolling single high coverages. If you show double and then you roll the single, a lot of times one of those safeties coming down and he's crashing down and robbing those crossing routes. That might be something we have to do to protect Levi Wallace, and I hope we see it, but I would not be shocked at all. I think it's highly probable that that's the case. The second part of the take is Josh Allen and Mega Josh. I specifically said that Dallas Josh from Thanksgiving last year was the first sighting of Mega Josh. I think we need to come up with something aside from that because I do think that the games that we saw from Josh Allen the last two weeks are a different tier than we saw in Thanksgiving last year. I think that maybe a second tier above Mega Josh 
is necessary. Maybe that's ultra Josh. Maybe it's Omna Josh. I'm not sure. I'll work on it. I'll come back with you. But I think it's not Mega Josh because I think it's even higher than Mega Josh. I think for the placeholder, we're going to call it, we're going to call it Omna Josh right now. We're going to go with that right now because I like the way it sounded kind of flowing off my tongue. We're going to go with Omna Josh. And I think that there's a reasonable possibility we see him again. I don't know if it's going to be this week because I think there might be regression coming, but I think I think it's going to happen. So I'm going to go overall on this take. I'm going to say somewhat probable because I think that the one part of it's highly probable and one part of it's somewhat improbable. So I'm going to meet in the middle and I'm going to say somewhat probable on this take. All right, Bruce, last one for you comes from T. Harris. If it's not too late, my almighty take is that the Bills will wreak havoc on the Rams' O-line and Goff will surprisingly hurt our secondary regardless. The Rams just put a guard on injured reserve this week. And one of the things we're going to talk about after the break is we're going to talk about Jared Goff. One of the reasons why that offense is kind of necessary for Jared Goff is Jared Goff is not good under pressure. And so being able to have an opportunity to get pressure on Jared Goff, despite the fact that those longer developing bootleg naked play action that they love to run in Los Angeles with the crossers, with the snap in motion, things like that. Being able to get pressure is imperative on Jared Goff. He also throws a ridiculously good deep ball. As of the time of this recording, 100% of the deep balls that Jared Goff has thrown have been deemed as being catchable, according to advanced analytics, which is number one in the league. So that's pretty good. It's not just Drew Brees, because Drew Brees has only thrown one deep ball, and it was catchable. So he's 100% too. But statistically significant data is very important. We could have a different discussion on whether or not Drew Brees has the ability to throw the ball over 20 yards anymore, or if he's, if he's shot. But a different story for a different day. I am going to say that this take is somewhat probable, because I think the Rams losing an offensive lineman this early this year and having the bills lead the league in pressure rate right now, 33% pressure rate from the bills, despite the fact that they're not an overly blitz heavy defense means we are getting returns on the investments that we made in the defensive line this off season. I'm going to say somewhat probable on this take and from your lips and fingers to God's ears. Bruce, that is it. That is all your almighty takes for this week. Okay. We are going to take a quick break. We are going to come back. We are going to have a little crumbling cookies sort of discussion about some strategic stuff, and we are going to get you out of here to enjoy the rest of your weekend and get psyched and get pumped for Bill's Rams. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's 
S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive of Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. My man, Anthony Marino, here with me as well, helping me facilitate these two episodes yesterday and today. First off, Anthony Marino, before we even get started with the Crumbling the Cookies section of Buffalo of this Buffalo Rumblings podcast, Thank you so much for doing this. Can you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and everything else? Because you've been such an incredible help. Oh, sure. You can find me on Twitter at Ant Marino. And honestly, it's my pleasure. Anytime we get to catch up, uh, I always enjoy it to, to spend some time. And just the fact that you still wanted to record your podcast while on vacation. Uh, it says so much for your commitment, not just to Buffalo Rumblings, but to all your listeners out there. So thank you, Bruce. Speaking of commitment, I was not able to get this in written form. So if you go to buffalorumblings.com and you are looking for the Crumbling Their Cookies article that drops typically on Fridays, you're not going to see it because I did not haul my entire computer down here to the undisclosed location where I'm currently (laughs) located close to the ocean, which may or may not be the Atlantic or the Pacific or the Gulf of Mexico. I will never tell. But the important thing is that we put it in audio form for you, and we are going to dive right in to the notes for this week. These are the things that I think we should keep an eye on, and I think the Bills should do this week to attack the Los Angeles Rams. The first thing is keep the cutback lane open on run plays because Donald may blow up the front side. This is where having running backs with good vision and being able to use Isaiah McKenzie in a role to hold the backside defender with jet motion is so valuable because there's a very reasonable chance that on multiple runs on Sunday, Zach Moss or Devin Singletary will get the ball, take two steps, and realize that mistakes were made, that horrible mistakes were made because Aaron Donald will be breathing down their throats. And the ability of a running back to cut on a dime and be able to still get that backside lane is going to be incredibly important against the Rams linebackers. You're going to want to hold that backside defender. So in the event that you were thinking that this is the week to not utilize Isaiah McKenzie on those run plays and having that jet motion, no, 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 no. This is the week to utilize all of the Isaiah McKenzie on the jet motion because holding that backside linebacker is going to be incredibly important with running backs who lack dynamic speed against a defensive tackle who can blow up your front side incredibly well. The next thing is that Jared Goff, as mentioned, throws 100% catchable deep balls but crumbles under pressure. You've got to do what you've got to do. And if you have to bring pressure, I would prefer to bring it from the third level instead of bringing it from the second level. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. If I have to bring pressure, I don't really want to blitz Milano or Edmonds. I'd actually prefer to bring down and blitz Taron Johnson or bring down and blitz Jordan Poyer. That second level is so, so critical to the Rams offense. And I'm not willing to vacate players to leave those things open. We saw what Fitzpatrick and some of his bigger body players at the wide receiver position were able to accomplish against Levi Wallace by running away from him on slant routes and crossing routes over the middle. Imagine that multiplied multiple times over 
against the Los Angeles Rams. I'm not interested in it. So if you have to bring pressure, that's okay. But I don't want to take my six foot five middle linebacker who creates interesting issues for people in throwing zones and kicking him out of the middle of the field to bring pressure. If I'm going to have to do it, I'd prefer to bring it from the edge, bring Taron Johnson, bring Jordan Poyer down, do what you got to do, get pressure, but I need to have those throwing lanes contested. The next thing is Tyler Higby. If we have Milano back, I feel a lot better about this. Having Matt Milano against Tyler Higby will help quite a bit, but they like to do creative things. They utilized him as an H-back in the offense last week and being able to get him very similarly to the way the San Francisco 49ers utilized George Kittle. I mentioned in the offseason that occasionally you'll see Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle swap places where you'll see Juszczyk on the line of scrimmage and you'll see Kittle in the background, in the backfield because it gives them a different set of routes to be able to run out of the backfield, whether that's flair, option routes, Texas routes, things like that from the backfield. That's the kind of thing you might see from Higby. And being able to have a linebacker who can make his way through traffic and not get picked off is really important against Tyler Higby in coverage. Tyler Higby's a good player. He's not so dynamic of an athlete that I worry about Matt Milano one-on-one. I do worry about the scheme getting him open. So be careful with the traffic. Make sure you're sticky with Tyler Higby in coverage. The next thing, be prepared to swap left and right coverages due to motion from the Rams. What I mean by that is one of the joys of having a secondary that the Bills have is when you have a receiver go in motion, a lot of times you're doing it to identify whether or not the defense is in man or zone. And when you see a receiver get carried by a cornerback across the field, you're like, okay, well, that's, that's a man call at that point. But because the Bills are so experienced on the back end, because they're four players in the defensive backfield plus Taron Johnson have played together so long, and because Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer and Tredavious White specifically are so experienced and they have such great communication skills, one of the things the Bills are capable of doing is not carrying and just switching responsibilities. And what I mean by that is if you have a receiver go in motion, Nobody follows him. And instead, the coverage just automatically swaps. It swaps right there. So it's still man coverage, but a different guy is going to have that man now. And we've seen the Bills do that to disguise coverages post-snap. They'll see a receiver go in motion, and instead of having someone carry him and give away that they're in man, they'll have that person maybe come in tight, or they'll have them appear like it's a zone call. And then all of a sudden, when it snaps, the communication's so good in the secondary that they just change their man. Instead of following their guy all over the field, one of the reasons that you see the Bills occasionally not do that is because they don't want to give away the fact that they're in man. And if ever there was a week to do it, this is the week to do it because the Rams are going to utilize a lot of motion. Sometimes they do that for what's called convoy motion. They will actually snap the ball when the receiver is in motion, very similar to the way the Bills do it with Isaiah McKenzie, but the reason they're doing that is to get somebody to be able to get them on the outside to seal blocking. So we call that convoy motion. And that's one of the reasons why you've got to absolutely be ahead of it from a secondary communication skills, because one step out of position will get you in a bad place against this offense. That's what this offense is designed to do. If I can sum up the Rams offense in one sentence, it's this one step and you're toast. One step and you're toast. 
The secondary communication has to be on point, and you have to be willing to make adjustments to accommodate for the motion. Anthony, anything you want to talk about before I move on? Anything you want to say? Is there anything I missed out on that you're like, Bruce, what about this? The only thing I would say, Bruce, as you talk about it, is just looking and thinking how healthy are the Buffalo Bills going to be on Sunday. On Wednesday, you see a number of names pop up on the injury report. Guys like Ed Oliver, you've got limited participation from Tredavious White. Just hoping that the Bills can be healthy as can possibly be at home taking on the Rams on Sunday. But other than that, I think you covered everything pretty well. Okay, last couple things and we're going to bring it on home. The last two. The first one is don't crash down off the edge. This is where Shaq Lawson would be really good. Shaq Lawson was great about staying home and having really good discipline off the edge against not just zone read and Lamar Jackson style offenses, but also against heavy play action offenses. And that's what this is. You cannot have your backside defender leave Jared Goff in the pocket off a play action significant amounts of time to be able to make downfield throws. We've established he crumbles under pressure. You cannot allow him to have the naked boot. Listen, if that means we get chewed up four yards at a time by the Rams' front side as far as running the ball, so be it. You absolutely cannot allow, whether that's Trent Murphy or Mario Addison or A.J. Epinesa if he gets run or Daryl Johnson or Jerry Hughes, you cannot allow yourself as a backside defender to crash down until you are absolutely certain that the quarterback actually handed the ball off. In no games that we will face this year is it more important than this one. It is an absolute must because Jared Goff, when he swings his head around after that play action fake, if he has someone in his face, the chances of them succeeding on that pass play go way down. And I'm willing to take that risk and potentially make a mistake and get chewed up by four or five yards if necessary, especially if the Bills linebackers are healthy. You let them do your job, their job, and you do your job. The last thing is I discipline, I discipline, I discipline. When the Bills are on defense, I discipline, I discipline, I discipline. Make sure that your eyes are in the right spot at all times because What's going to happen is the same play. Sean McVay will run 37 plays that all look the same two and a half seconds into the play. That's the way Sean McVay McVay has built his offense. It's extremely effective. It's very similar to the scenario that you have Ryan Tannehill succeeding in up in Tennessee. The heavy play action, the longer developing routes, the ability to separate back from the line of scrimmage and make clearer throws on crossing routes where people are able to run away from man coverage and get you that time to throw and have it tick up and tick up and tick up and tick up because you have a deeper drop. These things are imperative that you get your eye discipline on point because if they're out of position, as mentioned, you're going to have problems. So if it is a scenario where Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds are healthy, that makes me feel a lot better because they're used to seeing things like this and I trust that their eye discipline will be better. That is it. That is the, all the stuff I had to talk about. Anthony, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for facilitating this. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. I am running out of voice because I'm not used. I haven't talked that much. People might be shocked to hear this, but in my normal life, I don't talk very much. 
I'm actually a very quiet dude. And so I haven't talked this much in days since I've been on vacation. Now, all of a sudden, I got to record two pods back to back and my voice is getting a little hoarse. I think I got something for that. I think it's a little tropical. I think I'm going to find a little tropical something or other to help me with my voice. What do you think, Anthony? Well, I think you certainly deserve it. Again, the fact that you're taking time from your vacation to do these two episodes of the Bruce exclusive, you have certainly earned it. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your vacation as well. Well, for Anthony Marino, I'm Bruce exclusive. I'm Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce exclusive. And well, guys, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings.